recording. Hi, my name is Kyle. And I'm Aaron. And welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for joining us again. So this is, assuming you guys have listened, this is part two of our two-part episode. Uh, Last week we talked to you guys about finding a job. So we went over the interview process, you know, what to expect, what kind of questions they're going to ask, the normal ones, the expected ones, as well as the odd ones. In addition, we went over discrimination uh, very lightly, but it is something that does happen because these interviews are conducted over video and they do make their judgments based on your appearance. Unfortunately, but that's how it happens, yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. And finally, we discussed the types of schools that you would be looking at should you end up in China as well as Asia in that sense. You could end up at a training center, a public school, a kindergarten, or a university. Yeah, and we also discussed kind of the structure of those aforementioned schools. We talked about the class sizes of all of the above. Generally speaking, you're going to have smaller class sizes if you work for a private school, but larger class sizes if you work for a public institution, such as a high school or university. It's not uncommon in China to have 60, 70 students per class. One of the local teachers I knew in our city, uh, her class sizes were 60 students, give or take a few, and that's ridiculous. I was fortunate enough to teach at my high school. The class sizes were no more than 20. So it really depends on a lot of factors. It's kind of the luck of the draw sometimes. I was going to say, it literally is, you know, it's rolling a dice, it's flipping a coin, it's what you end up with, depending on how you get there. It's shaking an eight ball. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, uh, we went over a lot of that in episode one, and as I understand, the structure of schools in China are somewhat similar to how it works in Korea. For example, a training center in China is called uh, Hagwon in Korea, and it's a for-profit private cram school. Those are often in malls, like in China. Not always, but it's common to have a school located in a mall. The hours at public schools in Korea are kind of similar to what you might find in China, kind of the more 9 to 5, Monday through Friday type of schedule, but the pay is less. Uh, In Korea, I understand that Some schools or some programs that you may go over on will place first-time teachers in rural areas before moving up the ladder to big cities in their second year. So that's uh, one thing that's a little bit different about Korea. So today, something we're going to start the discussion with uh, the pay structure in China, because of course, if you're looking to go over there, you want to know how much you're making. So usually, the best pay, you'll find that at training centers, the ones that happen after school and weekends. Those schools are private, so, you know, more funding from the parents. And it's usually, you know, it's rich parents that send their kids to after-school English classes. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, your salary will be lower at public schools and universities because they're government-funded, so they set the caps at a higher level than the school itself, right? If you're at a training center... It's a private school, so they can set the pay at whatever they want. 
Right, and usually that pay is capped at about 7000 maybe 8000 a month. So not lucrative by any means, but you're teaching at a university, so it looks really good on your CV. It looks nice on your CV, yeah. And... You know, 7,000 RMB a month, you can actually live on that. Like, I never spent more than 7,000, I think, a month, unless I was traveling, right? I don't know about you. No, didn't really spend more than 7,000 a month, even if I was traveling. So it's pretty decent. Um, Mind you, if, say, you're in a smaller city, then the pay is going to be less. But if, say, you're in a provincial capital, like Shirja Zhuang was. Mm-hmm. You walk into a training school, you can expect maybe between 10, maybe 14,000 RMB a month. Now, for a public school, it really depends on the school itself, the quality of school. Um, I, I guess you can kind of think of it as like a tuition at a private Ivy League university versus a state university in the United States. Same with public schools. More funded they are, the better your salary is going to be in the downturn. The high school that I taught at, for example, paid me, I think it was about 17,500 RMB a month, and that's before taxes. And that's high for the city you were in, right? Yeah. Uh, the city I was in was, wasn't big. It was a medium-sized city. And mm-hmm. so I got a lot of bang for my buck in that area. My buddy who taught at the middle school he was at, I can't remember how much money he made, but I don't think it was much. I think it was similar to a training center wages, if not less your salary is kind of dependent on the school itself and the size of the city. We do have exceptions. Um, again, with the eight ball nonsense we were talking about earlier, eight ball, crystal ball, roll of the die, you get lucky, right? It ultimately depends on who you know, what you know. You know, our job offers looked a lot nicer when we were looking for them a second time around versus the first time because we knew what to look for. Ultimately, yeah, depends on who you know. Yeah, once you're there, there's a whole plethora of opportunities that open up to you, so you have a better understanding of where to look and what to negotiate. There's also the thing about side jobs that were a thing, and I know we've talked about that you're not really supposed to engage in side jobs because they're technically illegal. 100%. But, 100%. (laughs) Technically, they're good in a way because there's a lot of money to be had out of side jobs like private tutoring. Uh, You can set your own rate. There's no accountability. Side jobs, you can have your private tutoring like one-on-one or even a small one-on-three, right? Right. Or your side job could be like, you know, my side job was a kindergarten, right? I talked about it last episode. I hated it. I wouldn't do it again, but that was my side job. The only reason I did it is they paid well and it was limited hours. Yeah. Um, and I heard, yeah. you know, this, and I'm sure this is common, but just from what I heard, I knew of a guy who lived in Shanghai and he a hundred percent only did side jobs and he was making like upwards of 30,000 a month. So that's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, and you know, in Canadian dollars, that's roughly $6,000 a month. I don't know many people personally that are making that and right. because they're side jobs, you know, it's all tax free. I'd feel kind of iffy about that, always looking over my shoulder to know when I'm getting caught or if I'm going to get caught. Yeah, 
I know uh, just more to that. I knew a guy in Shijiazhuang who was doing private tutoring, and you know, you have the freedom to source your own clients. So, in that sense, you get to set your own price. And if you have a, if you're in demand and you have a really good relationship with the parents, you can command really good fees. He was making, not not all the time, but. There was a couple times where he was charging about a thousand RMB an hour. Oh at, God! Which is a lot of money. Uh, yeah, in not, Canadian dollars, it's about two hundred dollars. So yeah, so I, I mean that that didn't happen every single hour that right. he did it, but it's possible. Speaking of hourly wage, when it comes to these side hustles, what would you say is like a fair fair compensation? So, and I guess this is, it's an interesting question because we were never worried about money, right? I don't know how often you look at your bank account. I never looked at mine because I knew there was always plenty of money, more money than I needed. It was robust, let's <laughs> just say. So I wouldn't do a side job unless it was financially worth my while. So the last couple that I had, they paid me 300 RMB an hour, which is in Canadian dollars, it's like $60 an hour. So I wouldn't do one unless I did that. Yeah. Right. So I know a lot of private tutoring places will offer rates as like, hey, two hundred an hour or a hundred an hour. And honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything for less than three hundred an hour if I if I needed to. Exactly. Because we're we're putting ourselves at risk, right? Right. As far as side jobs go, it's more often the university teachers that do them because A, they get the lowest salary out of everybody. Right. Uh, and B, they have the most amount of time off. Like, they get a low salary, but their teaching hours are also roughly half of Pretty what you low, expect. too, yeah. Because all you're, all you're doing is, like, doing lectures, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I know my buddy, when he was teaching at university, he did a side hustle... He taught at a high school in his spare time. Now, I know we say you're not supposed to do side jobs because that goes against what your visa stipulates you can do, but the high school was, I guess you could call it like a subsidiary or an affiliate of the university, so technically it worked out in that sense. And same with my, my high school in the South. They had an affiliate company that was asking if we wanted to take on a little bit of extra work by the hour, and they were charging, or paying rather, about 150 an hour, and getting paid what I was already getting paid, I was like, no, not It's even. not worth it, right? It's so not worth it. But like I said, because it was an affiliate or a subsidiary, however you want to slice it, uh, it was technically on the level. So you really need to look like you know what you're doing. When you do these side jobs, they, you know, these parents don't know, they barely know any English. They obviously can't teach the kids what you're teaching them. You need to have planned a decent lesson for an hour, hour and a half, whatever you're doing. The kids ultimately, you know, they should be learning something. You know, they should be able to pull some kind of tangible lesson out of what you were teaching. Right, right. Just look like a professional because you're getting paid like a professional. Uh, right. 
yeah, so Kyle, this I feel like this is your area of expertise. I don't know why, just because it's not mine. Um, okay. But the, the pay structure in other countries, can you speak to that? Yeah, I can. In terms of pay, typically speaking, Asia and the Middle East are going to be your most lucrative regions, full stop. If we're talking about countries in just Asia, there's some trade-offs here and there. Like, some countries, the trend is that they may offer a higher pay, but the work hours are a lot longer. And I experienced that looking through positions in Japan. Now, on the flip side of that coin, there are countries where the contracts stipulates that your working hours are going to be lower, but that also in turn means lower pay. And those countries are, say, for example, Vietnam and Thailand. Based on some contracts I've seen around different countries in just Asia, the best of all worlds, like, for example, your work-life balance and having a high pay, generally speaking, the best area to teach in is going to be China for the for that reason. Um, I heard that Korea is good for that as well in terms of high pay as well as work-life balance. So that's just something to consider when you're trying to figure out what works for you in terms of benefits, because benefits are definitely something to consider. So we talked a lot about the types of positions that are available uh, for teaching. Uh, some of those positions, though, are contingent on the season. There are hiring seasons. The hiring season really depends on the school. Training centers, for example, operate year-round, and so chances are you can just apply, get hired, and then next thing you know, you're on a plane in doesn't matter it could be in august it could be in july it could be in like october march just whenever and whenever you get there your year contract starts from then yeah because the training centers they're private they hired just for need um, right and they fill that need as soon as they can right public schools on the other hand are contingent upon the school year and that school year is similar to what we go through in North America. School typically starts around August, September, and goes until June or July. So if you're looking to, say, work at a public school, you really want to plan ahead for when you will be able to go abroad. uh, Because you know, as as we both experienced, you, you have to plan for getting your visa. Getting your that visa you can take a considerable amount of time. Yeah. Uh, I think it took me about six months before I finally got mine and was able to leave. And so that's just something to keep in mind when the school that you intend to teach at starts in August. So we talked about the different pay structure There are other benefits that you need to consider as well. And, you know, like what what kind of benefits can you expect, uh, say, if you get your average job in China, Aaron? So it depends on the city you're in and the type of job you get. Universities, they will give you a room on campus. And it's like like a private thing. You don't need to share bathrooms. You got your own bathroom. 
it's small, but you know, you got your accommodation there. At our training centers, we each had a roommate. Now, Kyle, I went to your apartment after you left the city. <laughs> yeah. When I went, Andy got really sick, so I went over there and I brought him some soup. Yeah. And your place was massive. You had like, what, three bedrooms, four bedrooms or something? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty large. So typically the apartment, your your accommodations are going to be provided to you by the school. Unless you're in a big city like Beijing, then typically you'll have to source your own apartment, but the school should give you a stipend in that situation. Uh, but the apartment I was in was super nice. It was in a gated community. It was on the fourth floor of one, one of the buildings in the community, and the apartment itself was big. It was three bedrooms. One of the bedrooms had its own bathroom, and throughout the rest of the apartment, there was a, there was a separate bathroom as well, and there was a huge living area. And a huge kitchen. Typically speaking, kitchen areas in Asia are not big at all. Doesn't matter if it's in China or Japan or wherever you are. They're not big. This one was respectable. This was like something you could find in North America. Yeah, your your apartment was one of the best I saw out of all our friends, I think. Yeah, it was pretty clutch. And... It was the least Chinese-looking, Chinese-style-looking <laughs> apartment out of everyone. Right, right. <laughs> But yeah, my boss was like super nice to me, hooked it up, and that's where Andy and I lived for the majority of our contracts. Now, in addition to getting an apartment provided to you by your place of employment, Mm -hmm. uh, you'll also get health insurance. Yes. Yes. And the health insurance isn't brilliant, but it's something. And I think the quality of your plan kind of depends on the school if i'm not mistaken yeah it's it's a school to school basis thing depends yeah, on how much yeah. they value your life <laughs> uh well uh i know a lot of people have been close to dying over there so. <laughs> again another story another story another time but anyway the health insurance that you get provided to you is essentially it covers more serious stuff like overnight stays uh, but basic trips to the hospital for medicine, for example, those are not covered. Those are those are gonna probably gonna be out of pocket for you. But cost is pretty low. The cost is very very cheap. Very yeah. very cheap, and you can totally afford that on your teacher salary there. Yeah. Now at my high school, <laughs> this is hilarious. But I was reading through our health insurance contract, mm-hmm. and it said verbatim that they would not cover me in the event of either a nuclear war or a chemical disaster. <laughs> yeah, so what about what about your apartment, Aaron? What what was it like? So my apartment was not the glam glamorous uh, dwelling that you got. It wasn't bad, mind you. Uh, the kitchen was small. There was no TV, which was pretty annoying. Uh, when Ty got over there, he fought and fought and fought and fought, and we finally got one. The school always came up with different reasons not to give me a TV. Whatever. And yeah, so two bedrooms. Bathroom had a little bit of mold and whatever when I got there, so it was kind of gross. But other than that, you know, it was a fine fine dwelling for what it was. 
it was a like 15 minute walk from the school so that was nice uh and then again yeah you talked about health insurance we got health insurance um the school covered the cost for our work permit which i heard not every school does but mine did so that was nice yeah ours did too that won't always happen but the cost is relatively low so don't be scared if they ask you to fork over that cash and yeah that's a good point that you mentioned that your apartments should be within a respectable distance to your place of work at the training center i worked at it was about a from the time i left my front door to the time i entered the office was about a 12 minute walk now at the high school i taught at most of the times i just took the bus and it was just a straight 10 minute jolt down the road to the school you took the bus. I bet you got a lot of stairs on the bus, didn't you? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I um, imagine. Yeah, that's so many stories, man. <laughs> um, what was it? There's another. Oh, there's a good one. Uh, because not a lot of schools offer this airport pickup. So. Oh yeah, good Shijin point. Zhuang has an international airport, but I think the only international destinations it will go to and come from are Thailand and South Korea. Yeah, now, we obviously weren't coming from there. <laughs> we no. were coming from North America. So you fly into Beijing, and then you need to take an hour and 15-minute bullet train ride to get to Shidejuang. Now, I didn't think this was something... This was something I took for granted, because I think back on it now, and I'm just like, if I had to navigate that by myself, I'd be screwed, right? Oh, yeah. You get to Beijing, you pick up your bags, and then you need to get to the train station somehow. And then, you know, nobody speaks English. Then you need to pick up your train tickets, which is a whole other issue. And then you finally get to Shidaduang, and then you get to the school or something, right? So someone held my hand the entire way. The boss and her assistant picked me up and took me all the way to the apartment. Very grateful. For the teachers that came after me, <laughs> for they didn't some get of them, that. they didn't even pick them up from Beijing. They said, good luck to you, so sad. Uh, we'll meet you at the train station in Shidaduang. Oh my and god, I'm I'd be so a, scared. I would head back. Like, yeah. if this is how they're going to treat me, <laughs> I would not be there. Yeah, because airport pickup is something that's really good to have in your contract. Because yes. if you haven't done it before, like you said, getting from your major port of call to your city of employment can be a daunting daunting challenge (laughs) nobody speaks english it's not just flashing your passport and say hey how do i get to shizadwang also could you even say the city when you got there i know i was no not even i we still can't even say exactly properly and so they'd probably just be like you want to go to where again yeah yeah so good to have that Good to have that benefit in the contract. What other benefits can are uh, are provided to you by by your school? Ah, so most schools won't pay for your flight over there, but a lot of them will pay for your ticket out. It basically protects them to make sure you stay, and then they'll reward you for staying by paying for your flight home. Right, right. Some, if you're lucky enough, some will cover round trip. Some. Mine paid paid for over, but they wouldn't pay for back. Interesting. Right. Come and here, never leave. <laughs> right. Uh, my second gig didn't offer 
either, but they offered a stipend of up to 500 US dollars to be put towards a ticket out of there. Another thing that's good about the contract that I received, uh, what was written into there is that you will receive help from the local teachers to take you to hospital, show you around, help you do your initial police check and hospital runs. Now, it said that that would be the case in my contract, but this one can be a little more open to interpretation uh, as it's kind of a subjective term that's in the contract. Like, who's going to take you to the hospital? (laughs) That was so funny. Nobody volunteers. (laughs) Right. No one, no one technically showed me around. It was just something that happened on its own natural development. Uh, somebody did take me to the police station. Somebody did take me to get my phone set up. Mm. And so, yeah, that one's just kind of more like eh, local teacher, whoever, they'll, they'll help you out. Why, why don't you guys do it after class type of situation it wasn't like a hard cross it off the checklist type of thing that needed to happen if you know what i mean you know we've gone over all the benefits that you can find in your contract right no we did not actually because there's a couple others that we need to talk about oh hit me okay um who's gonna pay for your water bill ah you are you paid for you are yes utilities (laughs) (laughs) no no kyle you paid for mine Yeah, so when you get over there, you're going to have to pay for everyone's utilities, not just your own. It's an initiation thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just (laughs) kick the crap out of the new guy. (laughs) All joking aside, though, your utilities are going to be paid out of pocket by you, but those are cheap. It's dirt cheap. It's like, what? Four Canadian dollars a month for water, I think. Yeah, I think the most expensive water bill... I had was about the equivalent of four dollars U.S. a month. Yeah, it's it's so it's minimal. crazy. Internet's, Electricity was cheap too. Um, yeah, exactly, like it's stupid cheap. Yeah, and then same cheap. same with internet. Internet we paid up front for like the year or whatever. Yeah, but it was again such a minimal fee. I think it was like for the year it was. I don't know, a hundred Canadian dollars. Yeah, nice. I didn't have to pay for internet at all, ever. Well, shut your mouth. <laughs> Shoot me down. What? Um, so that's just a quick bit about utilities. Uh, what other benefits? Oh, yeah, actually, this is a fun one. Okay. Um, in my contract, it said somebody will give me weekly Chinese lessons. Oh, mine too. Never happened. Never. Okay, so I'll tell you what happened with mine. They were all set up to do it. One girl comes into my classroom one day and she's like, uh, Aaron, write down what you want to learn in Chinese. And so I'm just like, okay, survival Chinese. And then she goes, what is that? And I'm like, how do I order food? How do I tell the taxi driver where to go? You know, basic sentences that I should know. Basic stuff, right? And she's like, okay, okay. So she takes those down and she quit the next day. (laughs) Literally (laughs) 24 hours we hear Catherine has left. And it's like, okay, Catherine's gone. 
And then nobody nobody taught me any Chinese ever. Yeah, I was going to say, she didn't relay the message to somebody no. else. Like, hey, this guy might need some lessons. Somebody else handle it. It was me and the other girl that got there. We were supposed to get, have them together and never That's happened. That's funny. So. Yeah, it's also funny that she didn't understand the concept of survival, insert language. Exactly. That's... Like, how was she going to teach me? Right. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's from her perspective. She just doesn't... That's not a phrase that she's accustomed to hearing that's true that's so true. took it for yeah. granted i guess yeah, yeah, yeah so i i guess what i'm getting at is it's important to learn survival oh, insert yes. language wherever you are for obvious reasons with my my contract it also said that i would be given free lessons i think like an hour maybe two hours a week mm-hmm. it never happened the person that ended up doing it was actually a foreigner and she <laughs> spoke she had, she spoke chinese really really well she uh she self-taught and was able to you know provide that service for the rest of us common <laughs> folk <laughs> uh but I, I don't even think I signed up. I was on my way out the door anyway, so I'm just like, y'all, y'all do you. I'm, I'm good enough as it is. So <laughs> My skills won't get better. <laughs> Yo skills are good enough. Uh, <laughs> I was going through other stuff as well, but that's beside right. the point. I just didn't really want to go through that at the time. Right. Yeah, I think that about covers it in terms of benefits. That do you should think? do it, yeah. We, we went else? over everything, you know, money, uh, apartment, health insurance, flights, yeah. Chinese flights, lessons, local assistance. Local assistance. That should happen, but that should might happen that, not. Yeah, it doesn't. May, <laughs> um, may not happen. Yeah, the apartments you get, not going to be fancy, but they're respectable nevertheless exactly Uh, i got tvs in mind you didn't i didn't i I got internet you didn't (laughs) so if you're learning any from anything from this ask kyle where he taught and you go to his school and don't go to mine right (laughs) you also had more classes than i did okay all right enough of that all right all right shut up (laughs) we told you everything we you can find in your contract but how do you know if you should accept it? That is a good question. Well, basically, just go with your gut. Mm-hmm. If something feels sketchy or if something doesn't sit right, don't go for it. Your initial impressions during the interview process could be indicative of their whole operation. and More likely than not, that's true. Yeah, and if something just feels off to you, uh, there's thousands and thousands of other opportunities out there. So That's the thing, yeah. You don't need to worry about this will be your last shot. Yeah. There's plenty of opportunity for you. plenty of opportunities. Uh, What happens if they try to rush you into making a decision? Why, Why would they do that? So they want to make money. As impersonal as it sounds, they're running a business. You are an asset to them. The quicker they get you over there, uh, the quicker they can start classes and start making money off of you. So they'll want you to get there as soon as possible. 
Yeah, foreign teachers command higher fees. Higher fees mean more money for them. And so it's not unheard of for them to try to push you into signing on the dotted line so that they can make their quota or their foreign teacher allotment, what have you. Yeah, like you said, Aaron, it's it's a business. And unfortunately, for that matter, sometimes the schools are more focused on the business side of things than really the education side of things. They're not too concerned with an unfortunate reality about some of these operations. So the quality of education might be pretty dismal, but as long as that side's taken care of, uh, as long as the business model's still bringing in money, that takes precedent. I've also heard stories of training centers or other private institutions where the founder will just end up swiping all the cash and just bounce in town in the middle of the night, just leaving all the students, all the local teachers high and dry. Just that person was never to be heard from again. Just took all the money and ran. Despite the good things that we went through, there is unfortunate a dark, dark reality, a black market, if you will, about how things happen. But that isn't to say that they're all that bad, you know. It's, no, uh, no, not at all. Might happen. There's, you there's know. more good than bad for sure. It, it, but yeah, we we should stress that. It's a lot of good opportunities for you. Right. What were some of the things that made you say no to a job? Because you know, you interviewed for plenty of jobs. I interviewed for plenty of jobs. Right. Well, the first time I said no was because. I think I we went over this last episode about the interview process. I just couldn't see the guy's face. And being able to see who you're interviewing with is more intimate and gives you kind of a better idea, makes you feel better about the whole process. And when you can't see somebody's face that's interviewing you, or if they're asking you weird questions or the audio quality is off, then, I don't know, it just kind of sends a negative vibe, in my opinion. Of course. It's like, you know, that's all all you can judge on a school is that initial interview, right? You yeah. don't know anything else. It, right. So it'd be nice to see who's representing that school. The other exactly. time that I said no was that... <clears throat> That lady that was representing a school in Harbin I told you about, she just asked me, like, oh, you're so handsome. When are, when are you coming? And that's a, that's a red flag there for me. <laughs> it could have very well ended up great, but I just didn't want to take a chance. And the last thing I'll say to this point is, uh, I think it was a... I was trying to set up another interview, and I think this one was for Japan. And for whatever reason, this lady just did not understand time zone differences. Mm -hmm. So I would say, all right, let's set up an interview, blah, 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 your time, which is blah, 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 my time. Does that work for you? She's like, yes. She would call me at the wrong time. (laughs) (laughs) That happened the first time. So then it's like, all right, well, let's, let's do another rescheduling. All right, how does blah, 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 your time work she's like that's great all right so that's gonna be blah 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 my time okay okay she ends up calling me 
wrong time yet again. Oh. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, do you want to reschedule? And I'm like, at that point, I don't really expect this is going to be a good fit, is what yeah, I'm like trying how, to get at. How can she run a business if she can't read a clock? <laughs> I don't know. I, and, you know, it might have come down to miscommunication. Like, she might have thought yeah. my time was actually supposed to be her time type of thing. And, but, you know, I just didn't want to waste any more time and energy trying to explain, like, no, let's do it right this time. So I just, th- those are some of the reasons why I said no to a job. And uh, I'm sure you've got some stories yourself. Okay, one, and this was just ridiculous to me. So it was when I was going to look into going to Shenzhen. Uh-huh. I was doing plenty of interviews. And this one, so the guy sounds really excited to meet me. So the recruiter I was talking to, he... I made it very clear to him i need to go to a training center um my salary expectations are so and so and you know if you can provide either an apartment or a housing allowance great and he goes okay 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 oh great aaron i found you a job great so i interview great first thing this guy says is do you know foshan and i'm like who is foshan (laughs) (laughs) what's a foshan (laughs) foshan is a city and he says, are you okay coming to Foshan? And I said, no, I need to be in Shenzhen. That's where I want to go. And he goes, oh, oh, Foshan is close to Shenzhen. And I'm like, okay, how close? And he goes, very close. He didn't know the number. I look up the number after, and Foshan is, what, 45 minutes by bullet train away from Shenzhen. That's not close <laughs> so, at no, all. No. I'm not even in the same city. No. Next is, wasn't even a training center. It was a public school or a kindergarten. One of those Monday to Friday nine to fives. And I was just like, okay. No, thank you. Did the interview anyway, and then he's like, you know, we really like you. And I'm sure, I'm like, I, I bet, you know, I had these many expectations. You met none of them. Of course you're going to like me. <laughs> so that was that. Uh, the next one, and this is actually a red flag, and this is very common. They'll try to, it's part of, you know, we talked earlier about getting you over there quicker. Right. It takes a long time, as you know, Kyle, to process your work visa, right? Yes. It's multiple trips back to the embassy, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, takes time. Right. So some schools are trying to convince you to get a tourist visa, which we talked about a bit last episode. Did we? I think we did. We talked yeah, about a think... friend in Suanzhou who started on the tourist visa, then tried to work. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, she had to renew her contract or I forget exactly why this was the case, but her work visa was expiring and it was going to take too long to have to get it renewed in time. And so they started, they went through the process of getting it renewed, but you know, you need to go to the embassy. Government officials need to check off on it, blah, blah, blah. It takes time. So in the meantime, she had to do these visa runs to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. She basically had to leave the country every 30 days because that's how long a tourist visa is good for in order to initiate another 30-day process in which she could be in China and subsequently be able to teach at her school, which is super not cool in the eyes of the law. Very, very legal. I'm just thinking to myself, man, that's just like super sketchy. And she was also saying that she had, 
every time she would come from Hong Kong into the mainland, she would try to scope out a different customs agent each time. Because oh, if you go to the God. same person each time, it's going to look even more suspicious. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I think she had to do about three runs like that before her next work visa kicked in. But either way, that was just... <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't me. And I would never. And, you know, schools will tell you, oh, it's okay, it's okay, you can do this. No, it's not okay, because if you get caught, they're not going to help you. I don't know if they can help you or they will help you, but you won't be helped. Yeah, well, they might get in trouble, too. Yeah, but you would be going to jail and then deported. So and, <laughs> they yeah, would pay and, that's, and that's that. <laughs> Didn't you interview at a job that was saying, like, oh, free visa runs or something like yes, that? Yes, yeah. They were like... Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll pay for your uh, transportation to do the visa run. And because I was going to Shenzhen, the closest international point is Hong Kong. That's what uh-huh. they want. On a visa run, you have to leave the country. So if you're in the north, you'll be looking at Russia or whatnot. Sure. Um, and then in the south, you'll be looking at Hong Kong. And I'm just like, okay, that's nice of you to offer, but I'm not doing that. I want a work visa. <laughs> they're like, oh, oh, but it's so easy. Everyone has tourist visas here. And I'm like, I, I don't care. <laughs> right so yeah you want to be on the level for sure exactly because no one is going to protect you more than yourself you know no one's gonna have your best interests at heart more than your own self so ultimately like we said earlier what is your gut telling you you do your research you look into it does it seem legit do you feel good after interviewing with the people yes then take it no don't you don't need to settle for yeah jobs yeah definitely read the read the contract uh Mm -hmm. contracts can be shoddy read every word of it uh ideally before you hop on the plane (laughs) i didn't get my contract until i was already there and i'm like whoops don't don't do what kyle did (laughs) (laughs) i mean it happens the foreigner that recruited me forgot to put it in front of my face before i left but i just left in good faith (laughs) try not to do that if you can help it I don't know exactly about the teaching industry over there per se, but in other industries, the contract that matters is the Chinese version, and they'll give you an English contract, but the Chinese contract goes to the government, and when everything's said and done, it's the Chinese one that that matters most. So that's another thing to consider as well. Make sure your contract looks legit and everything is good to go. So we talked about benefits, you know, what made you not accept a position. Aaron, let me just cut to the chase on this one. What did make you accept? Why did you go to the training institute you went to? Ultimately, I didn't do as much research as I should have. Sure. Which is something I would do again. But we ended up in Shizadrong. I have no regrets. My company that I did my TEFL with, they set up this interview. It was a very quick process. I did the interview. Mm-hmm. My boss was very nice. She seemed very personable and easy to relate to. I was. I felt very reassured. Uh, the contract was good. The terms were good. The salary was high compared to what I was seeing. I was very surprised that I was getting that. And yeah, so I was like, you know what? This seems good. And so I took it. And I do not have many regrets of that situation. So that's why I took nice. it. I was, it, ultimately, I felt good in my gut. And that's why good I took Good on that. you. Good on you. What about you? What about me? Well, 
for the first my my training institute position it was basically through my network that i just took on good faith that this was going to be an all right situation and the guy that interviewed with me was just 100 percent real with me mm-hmm. and another reason why i went to that particular training institute is because it sound the company's name sounded better than say mickey mouse english or the kid castle or whatever some of those names even mine i'm not gonna say what my school's name was but it's just dumb (laughs) right right uh not to say there's anything bad about those types of companies uh, or companies with a silly name they're they're awesome some of them anyway i feel bad about it but (laughs) (laughs) if if i were to give you some sage advice heading in it would be go for a company that sounds more professional sounding because ultimately you're going to be putting this on your cv i was gonna say yeah people are gonna read this and then they're like oh you spent two years at mickey's fun clubhouse english oh right nice i'm sure you were doing very important work (laughs) right very important work at the the house of chuck e cheese or whatever (laughs) yeah um yeah, so go with something that sounds a little more professional, if you want. If now, you want. with my second position, what made me accept was uh, the recruiter was English, so he was able to articulate his questions and my questions uh, throughout the interview process a lot a lot better. He answered my questions quite well, and mm-hmm. it was also my, my work visa was soon to expire, and the contract stipulations at the high school were, were good enough. And I didn't really want to waste too much time dithering around for maybe, maybe not a better opportunity that would or would not come. I'm just like, you know what? Boom, let's pull the trigger on this. Yeah, it sounded good to you. See so when It sounded good to me. I went with it. I think there were about seven foreign teachers already there. Or they they had to fill slots for seven foreign teachers. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if this is a school that's trying to get that many foreign teachers for the school year, they've worked with foreign teachers a lot in the past. Mm -hmm. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, all right, this is going to go better than not. You know, I was just thinking never, I mean, as you were talking, this just came to me. Do not be the only foreign teacher at your school. (laughs) <laughs> because <laughs> you have it you know it is very important to once you get there you make friends build a community and that starts in your school yeah and if you are the only teacher at your school the only foreign teacher at your school it becomes very difficult to do that uh yeah so yeah. ask them to talk to another teacher because you, you know a foreigner will give you the 411 on the school you know they'll tell you why they accepted and why they enjoy working there yeah for sure uh, so that's just something to look into. Yeah. Should we uh, move on to what to negotiate? Yes. It is important to start this off by saying you can negotiate. You should negotiate. You should negotiate, but you won't win a lot of these, but there is no harm in trying. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, uh, you're a hockey fan, right? I think of it was uh, Wayne Gretzky that said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Oh, I'm so proud of you, Kyle. Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, uh, schools prey on the fact that you know literally nothing about their country, 
mm-hmm. and working conditions and how things operate. So initial offers tend to be on the low side of things. So, but with that said, don't be afraid to negotiate. Uh, know your worth. Mm-hmm. Definitely negotiate money within reason, that is. So, for example, if your offer is 10,000 RMB a month, Ask for, I don't know, 12, 13,000 RMB a month. Uh, and see where they fall, because they definitely have the they have the wiggle room. That is if you're yeah. going to a training center, right, where they're privatized. If you're at a university, right. there's nothing you can do about that. Well, I negotiated an extra 1,000 RMB at my high school. There you go. Uh, so there you go. Uh, but it was within reason. You know, you will have your pick of the litter as far as jobs are concerned. Right. Don't... Don't be stupid about it. Just Yeah, because there are other foreign teachers that will probably be standing in line exactly. right behind you. <laughs> exactly. uh, so, yeah, don't be dumb about it. <laughs> you know, don't be afraid to negotiate other things in the contract besides pay. Like, uh, I don't know, housing, for example. If there's, like, maybe one, maybe two things that you don't agree with with your contract that would be the time to negotiate. But if the whole entire contract is not written well and you don't agree with anything, just don't even bother with it. Don't waste your time on trying to negotiate like section 1A through 500Z. Just Because <laughs> they're looking to it. get you over there assuming you won't read it. Right, yeah. So that's not for you. Right. Um, another thing to note is, say you're, say you get over there, you're in the job, you're doing your thing, things are alright, but maybe about a month or so later, they ask you to take over a class that falls on your weekend. What do you do? <laughs> Don't. Do not. Don't do, do it. Do not. Do not do it. Right. It won't be a one-time thing. No, chances are if you agree to that one-time thing, it'll become a permanent thing. And then before mm-hmm. you know it, your day off is gone, is toast. So word to the wise, don't be afraid to say no if they ask you to do something that's not explicitly written out. Uh, what else is, should we say to that? Um, you know, as far as we have talked about how you'll have the pick of the litter when it comes to jobs. Yeah. Now, you know, Kyle, you and I went to a city that was not too big, wasn't famous or anything, wasn't one of the cities you'd heard of. It's not a city that people think about when they hear China. <laughs> it's not on people's radar. If you are looking to get into a Beijing or a Shanghai or a Shenzhen, one of those cities that you would have heard of. It will be more competitive. Yeah. You know, still don't hesitate from negotiating because you will. Yep. There are still lots and lots of opportunities. But understand that the salaries might be lower relative to cost of living than in a less known city. So still negotiate, but have that in mind that they'll also have a lot of people looking at those jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually looking to go to Chengdu my second year. Yeah. Because Chengdu is. Probably my favorite city in China, if not the second city favorite. City of pandas. It's it's a it's a neat city. Uh, yeah. I'd recommend it. But because it's a neat city, it's wildly popular, and therefore the market is highly saturated with foreign teachers already. So mm. you can still go there and negotiate stuff, but you're not going to get 
like a large, large salary with a low cost of living because that work-life balance is maybe not as favorable. Essentially, people want to be there. (laughs) So (laughs) there will be competition. One thing I wanted to ask you, Aaron, is uh, what happens if you're on the job and you're just not happy? Can, Can you break your contract? Okay, so note that, you know, no one's going to handcuff you to a bar and make you stay. But if you want to break your contract early, there's a penalty. Now, mine, they had broken it down in the contract. They had, yes, it is an oh no. (laughs) Uh, They had broken it down. It's like if you break your contract within this many months after starting, you have to pay this amount. And it's usually an an obscene amount. I remember at Uh one point if you break it within the first... I want to say three months, five months or whatever, you need to pay 20,000 RMB, which is like 4,000 Canadian dollars. That's like a good chunk of your salary. Exactly. And... If you even have that after spending, living costs, whatever. There are, and the reason they have these is because, you know, schools have invested a lot of money already in just getting you over there because they need to sponsor you for the work season. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to protect their investments, protect their assets. And also it looks it looks pretty unprofessional for a teacher to start and then leave two months later, right? Right, yeah. That being said, though, I do know of people that have pulled runners on companies. Yes, just escape. <laughs> Escaped, walked off the job, never to be heard from again because they found yeah. a better opportunity somewhere else or whatever <laughs> that that also looks bad it does for obvious bad. reasons it, it happens yeah if you if you try to escape they can blacklist you and that's if you just pack your bags and leave one day yeah you know you buy your ticket out they can blacklist you and prevent you from coming to the country for the next five years now if you really hated your experience i'm guessing you won't want to go back for the next five you years won't care <laughs> one way or the other yeah exactly. uh, there's other countries you could check out japan Korea, Saudi Arabia, whatever you want, they're probably not going to care what you did. And, or at least they're not going to look into what you did in, say, China. In China, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when you're looking for these positions, you presumably would have gone onto the internet, typed in teaching jobs in insert country, and maybe have come across a job board. Now... Some of these job boards are safer than others, and so that kind of comes into, uh, you know, should you accept, should you not accept? Now, I think I've mentioned this, but TeachAway, the uh, company I did my TEFL with, yeah, they had a job board, and that's how I found my first job. Yeah, and that's how I found my job at my high school was through TeachAway. Did you? Yeah, for sure. I didn't know that. A hundred percent, yeah. Oh, damn. Okay, wow. Yeah, there's some good listings on there. Yeah, like I've seen some that intrigue me in the Middle East, but that's for, you know, the future. <laughs> um, and I know your your company you did your TEFL with, they do the same. Yeah, um, I did TEFL through Oxford Seminars. They also provide you with a job placement service. If you're not a graduate of their program, though, the services are limited, but it might be a good place to start nevertheless. There's also jobs that are posted on wechat and if you don't know already wechat is a ubiquitous messaging app that does a lot more than just texting 
we'll, we'll go over into WeChat later, but it's it's the be-all, end-all app in China. Pretty much, yeah. And it's common for job advertisements to be posted on WeChat. There are, unfortunately, some sketchy websites out there. And I know, sorry to name names, but Dave's ESL Cafe. If you went online to Dave's ESL Cafe, it was just... it. The website didn't look professional at all, full of malware, it just looked sketchy, there was like a lot of scammers on there, it just wasn't really a well put together source. And I know that used to be the case, but I don't know what it's like now. I, I went online to Dave's ESL Cafe pretty recently, and it looks it looks a lot cleaner these days. Yeah, when you told me to look at it, I was like, I was so surprised. I'm like, you know, I would actually actively look for a job on this website. <laughs> and the first time I went on it, I was like, no, I did, this is horrible. I'm not going to find anything I want on this website. And... Uh, I, I signed up. I signed up on Dave's ESL Cafe back when it was Malware City. Yeah. You know, put in my name, info, etc., email address, and I'm telling you, I get these junk mail after junk mail after junk mail of, hey, I'm a sexy lady waiting for you in your area. <laughs> Age 28, do you want to see me in my, you know, and it's just, my junk mail is a mess, and I don't even want to look at it. I hope important emails don't go there. Yeah, so... There are some pretty dodgy-looking websites out there that are full of scammers, so tread softly on those. That being said, there are also recruiters. Yes, so recruiters, uh, you can find them on this side of the world, you know, outside of China, and then you also find them inside of China. Not to generalize, but the ones in China are very sketchy. Uh, not all of them, of course, but some of them do have a bad rap, and so, from a PR perspective, might not be the safest thing to go through a recruiter, that's all I'm saying. Especially for your first job. Right, yeah. After you've got a lay of the land and you're looking to go back but move cities maybe, then, sure, talk to them, you know what to look for, you've got experience in, uh, yeah. in China... Um, when I told you about that Foshan story earlier, that was because of a recruiter there. You know, they didn't mm. care about my needs, what I was looking for. They just saw an eligible foreigner and set me up with a job interview. Yeah. And sometimes uh, they will tell you what salary to expect uh, after they get their cut. Uh, because, again, you got to understand that they're they're trying to recruit foreigners for schools and so by doing so, they get a cut. It should be from the school. If they tell you that their cut will be taken out of your salary, no. Don't, don't go, don't go for that. Drop the recruiter, actually. Yeah, drop the recruiter. There's good recruiters out there, and there's obviously bad ones as well. Also, don't send money either. Oh, God, yes. I mean, I, I, shouldn't have to, uh, I shouldn't have to spell this one out, but if there's a posting that's like, hey... We'll put you in touch with some really reputable schools offering high salary. Just it, it'll don't. just cost you a small finder's fee of however much. Yeah, don't do that either, because no. you'll never see that money again. <laughs> you might not even see the job you're looking for. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now there are a few different means by which people can teach abroad. A huge question I get asked all the time is, "What program did you go on to teach in China?" 
Now, I would assume because programs are a relatively popular means of teaching abroad, it makes sense for people to inquire about that, but I personally didn't go through a program. I just searched online at a job board or, you know, had one of my friends in my network help me find a job. But programs are also a, an option. And unlike a recruiter, a program is a, it's essentially a government initiative that seeks to bring English teachers, typically university graduates, into the local school system with the aim to improve upon existing teaching approaches as well as develop cultural awareness. A couple examples of this would include the JET program for Japan, that's J-E-T, and the EPIC program for Korea, that's EPIC with a K. Those are just a couple examples. Now, when you apply to a program, you might need letters of recommendation and a high GPA because, as I understand, programs can be highly competitive. There might be limited vacancies. Some slots might even be filled months in advance, so there could be a long waiting period. It's essentially on a first-come, first-served basis, and if there's a set start date for the school term, you should obviously start planning for things quite soon. Not only that, but depending on the specific role you're applying for, you may need a foundation of knowledge in the local language. I think the international relations coordinator for the JET program requires fluency in Japanese. So needless to say, these some of these programs are pretty serious deals. One of the pros of going over with a program is that they do tend to look out for you more, I would assume because it's a government program. With that said, however, the working conditions may vary in terms of class size, compensation, etc., etc. And cool, so I think now's a good time to talk about real advertisements that we've come across. So we're going to talk about a couple job ads we found. I'll talk about Shenzhen, that's a big city, one that you've heard of, and uh, Kyle will talk about a smaller city, Zhangjiang, which I guarantee that you haven't heard about. So this job, and I'll tell you why I picked it later. So the salary they're offering is 20 to 30k. Ooh, nice. Uh, <laughs> position, Ooh. native English-speaking teacher. You would think that's a given, but as we know, Kyle, that is not. Student age, 3 to 12. Great. Class size, 12 to 18 students. Uh-huh. Class hour, around 50 minutes. That's less than what I was doing in Shijiazhuang, so... Wow. Sounds like the uh, class size is a bit larger, too. Yep, especially if you hit that 18-student mark. That's, that's a lot, especially for a training school. That is true. Two days off, Wednesday and another day in the weekday. A bit of a red flag for me there, because uh, it doesn't guarantee that you'd have two days off in a row, which is something that right. I would prioritize. Right. Class time, 5 to 9 p.m. weekdays. That's really good. You sit around it home or whatever until five five yeah and just put in four hours and oh, blam four hours done. Of work and then you're done nice weekends yikes 10 a.m to 9 p.m it's a bit much but not totally terrible you get to sleep in so that's that's nice yeah 
Yeah. Working hours, 20 to 24 hours a week, and no office hours. Okay, interesting. So that's 20 to 24 hours teaching hours. That's a lot. That's kind, kind of, of like heavy. Yeah. Heavy, but again, pretty common. Yes, at training centers, absolutely. Yeah, because contact hours are different than office hours. Exactly. Yeah. And they've put payment again, 20 to 30. So uh, looks like they're really trying to hook you in with that, with the payment. Right. Requirements. Native speakers. Are you a native speaker, Kyle? Of English, yeah. Yes. I, that's the thing. They did not specify <laughs> English. Less than 48 years old. Okay. We did talk about this last time. You know, when they interview you, they'll judge you. The reason they want less than 48 is obviously they want you to be able to keep up with the kids because teaching kids is not easy. Yeah, and that you don't have too many other obligations outside exactly. of this gig. At least one to two year English teaching experience in China. We have that, Kyle. Yeah, and that kind of carpens back to my point about how the qualifications are changing over time. I, mm-hmm. I want to say they're starting to ask for more experience nowadays. Yep, another form of protection to keep the yahoos away. <laughs> and they say can apply for working visa not that they do they can that would definitely be something to ask in the interview process should you wish to pursue that not even ask i would insist you know yeah. because this implies visa runs personally i would not risk that right but it might be written in a way that's not representative of what they meant yes and that's something to remember it's like people writing these job ads more often than not, they're Chinese people, and English is their second language, so they might not come across exactly as they want to. Right. Now, they've also listed free supper except for Wednesday. Now, that is because they said Wednesday is a day off. Okay. So you get meals provided to you at the school? Free lunch on weekends, according to the school's arrangement, and then free that's supper nice. when you're working. So yeah, that free meals, that's nice. Now, our school offered that, but the food was pretty crappy, and the foreigners never ate there. And the last thing is that official holiday, New Year holiday, eight days off in May. No payment in any holidays. Now, that kind of sucks. Yeah, that does suck. So you definitely want, or it's better anyway, to have your holidays paid for. Yeah. Where you don't have to worry about making up that time. Now, the biggest red flag out of this job offer, and now this is in Shenzhen, so it's a big city. It's hourly, and it's not salaried. So this 20 to 30K might seem nice, but that's only if you're teaching for these 20 to 24 hours that they've said. If you're not, you won't get paid. That is a gigantic red flag for me. Some people might actually prefer hourly. I don't know why, but it's not really a shady contract by the sound of it. It's just nicer to have month to month. At least it's a guarantee, right? Because you don't control how many classes you get signed up for, right? The school decides, hey, you're good enough for this many, so we'll give you this many. That doesn't relate to the salary after. Right. It doesn't matter how much you work or how little you work. You know what you can expect. Exactly. And don't have to worry about, like, making up for that, whatever. Exactly. Uh, Now now hit us with with the lower quality of city. Or lesser. Quality or size. <laughs> lesser known. Okay, yeah, so this is a real job advertisement that I have, and it's in the city of Zhangjiang. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How yep, you pronounce that? Yeah. I would assume so. 
It's with a training center, and it says teachers needed ASAP. The age group is between 3 and 12 years old. Typical for the training center. Typical, yeah. Working days, Wednesday through Sunday. Typical. Hours, under 40 hours a week. Now, this would be something you might want to ask in the interview process. How many contact hours you have and how many office hours you'll be expected to keep. Because 40 hours of direct contact teaching time, you'll die. Don't do it. That's so much. Class size, 12 max with teaching assistant. That's pretty good. It's pretty standard. Maximum of 12. Salary, they're offering between 12 and 15,000 a month. Now, if you're in a smaller city like Zhangjiang, that's really good. Yeah, that'll go a lot farther than your assumed 20k in Shenzhen. Yeah, that'll that'll be pretty choice. And again, negotiate. If they're offering that range, see what they say to 16,000 a month. Who knows? Exactly. Aim high. Yeah, see here, vacation, paid holidays, that's good. Housing, free apartment, that's good. Mm-hmm. Visa, Z visa provided. A Z visa <laughs> is the working... The work visa. The work visa, yeah. Also good. That's, yeah. So if you want to pursue this opportunity, they list their WeChat information. So all in all, it looks like a pretty solid advertisement, an ad anyway. And, yeah, uh, everything that is listed is pretty normal. That's what you can expect. Uh, They give you their WeChat. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you can expect ads to be put on WeChat with their uh, contact info. So, yeah, all in all, I'd say this is a pretty good listing. I feel a lot more confident about the Zhangjiang offer than the Shenzhen one. Now... I am a little biased because I was actually offered that Shenzhen job. When I was going to go back and I was going to go to Shenzhen, I was offered that job. And I only looked at these about, you know, two weeks ago when we were planning to talk about them, right? So the fact that this offer is still on WeChat, it means one of two things. One is that a teacher took it at the time that I was going to go over there and left already or someone else left. Or that they still haven't filled a position. And when you get that many red flags from a job offer, yeah, you know, it tells you you don't need to take it. And then people don't end up taking it, right? And yeah. that's why and it's still out there. It didn't even say if housing would be provided either. That's the thing. Did it? it was, no, it didn't. And I hmm. asked, I only know this because I asked in the interview, but they said, no, the salary is high enough. So you'll be able to find housing within that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's nice. But because it's hourly, I'm not guaranteed to have that salary, right? Yeah. If a class drops for whatever reason, there goes my income. And she was very pushy to get get me over there. Her name was Coco. Well, her English name, right? <laughs> There's many Cocos over there. God. We'll go over that later. But yeah. Coco, I saw messages from Coco every day, every night for like four days straight. And then finally I was like, Coco, thanks, but no thanks. I remember she called me while I was eating breakfast just to go over the tax structure what and i was like, just that's like, gonna help and it was so weird because it's like she said i can show you on video but i can't send it to you as a screenshot okay that's another red flag exactly say you can i can give it to you this way but not this other way for whatever <laughs> weird reason exactly so just a myriad of red flags and that's why i didn't take it and ultimately doesn't look like other people took it 
<laughs> so they're they're still floating. So yeah, yeah, good uh, good on you for not going with that. Shenzhen would have been cool though, but it would have been. That's why it was top of my list. But you know. yeah, here's kind of a off the books question. Would you say that sketchy sounding situations, and by situations I mean contracts and ads. Do you think that's more common in bigger cities than smaller cities? Because people know of big cities, so I'd imagine they would start looking there first. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. Just because bigger cities, it's easier to attract people. Uh-huh. And they don't have to always be by the book because they know someone will fill that position sooner or later. Provided uh-huh. there aren't, you know, a million red flags like the one I just talked about here and you know in the smaller cities they're desperate to get people over there and the best they can offer is security and a salary that is high relative to what the average local would make right okay yeah yeah because we we made a lot of money relative to what the locals made right it was pretty sad but true ultimately do your research we have talked about this before but you're moving across the world you are working in another country research your job be as Mm -hmm. thorough as possible you know the internet of course that's the place to start internet's your best friend there are a lot of good resources on the web stay away if a website looks dodgy try somewhere else see if you can connect with people in your area that have done this in the past Um, a lot of people that I know in my city did this. So I reached out to them personally, whether I knew them or not, just saying like, hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. I hear you have taught abroad. I'm interested in doing this. Can we set up a time to chat? Like you basically would a regular networking call. Uh, So having a live person you can talk to is a huge resource. I wish I had that, but uh, you had that. I have that, yeah. Next thing is, you know, have your plan of action. Everyone goes over there for different reasons and different experiences, right? Are you looking to travel and make a little bit of money to fund your traveling? You can get away with going to a bigger city uh, in a popular country. You know, this is how countries like Thailand draw a lot of foreigners in because it's a mainstream place. And lots of people want to go there, enjoy the weather, etc. So if you're looking for that kind of thing, then yeah, you can live in a country like Thailand that just covers your cost of living and maybe a little bit in the side for travel. If you're maybe going, Kyle, you went over there to pay off student loans, right? That was a motivation. That was not my primary reason, but it was a huge motivating factor for sure. Uh, so you got to ask yourself, am I going there to travel or am I going there to save money? Or am I going to go there to actually teach and maybe consider that as a career move definitely definitely do some reflection about yourself and really come up with a you don't have to come up with a solid concrete plan of action but no basically just try to figure out what your purpose is why are you going there and i will say that me personally i learned a lot about myself over there i maybe it sounds like a cliche but it's the truth (laughs) i learned what i'm open to and what i'm not open to what I'm capable of, what I'm incapable of. So with that in mind, do not have any expectations. You think you know something about these places because you Googled it for five minutes. Or maybe checked it out on maps or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. You think you know a place, but you don't. And traveling to a place for a week is so much different than living there. And we spent two years there, right? Right. And you learn a lot about the place that way. So just... 
keep your mind open, have an open mind. Best advice we can give you is don't have any expecta- expectations. Don't have good expectations, don't have bad expectations. Mm-hmm. Just go in without any expectations. One way or the other, you won't be disappointed. No, you will not. You'll learn a lot. Now, again, as always, if you are unsure about everything, you've done your research, you know, you still don't know, ask us. We've done it. We talk about it. We've looked over lots of offers and contracts and whatnot. Reach out to us. Again, as usual, reach us at Twitter and Instagram at CrossCulturalKA and as well as email CrossCulturalKA at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. 